Hello everyone, welcome to Zing This, Star Wars special on episode 1, The Phantom Menace. You've got me, Darth Zinger. Viceroy Ellie. Rob2D2. And we're going to be discussing episode 1, The Phantom Menace. So, just to get started off, of course, we are, as we've stated before, doing this in a course order of how they quote-unquote happened. Mm-hmm. So that's the order we have decided to do this in. We're not saying this is the right order to watch them in or anything like we that. We just think it's the easiest way to remember, oh, wait, the next episode will be this movie. Also, yeah. this does benefit us because a certain movie in this is not out yet right. for free to watch. So with that, we are going to begin by discussing the overall plot of episode one, The Phantom Menace. Yes. Okay. Um, well, I will start... So there's two Jedis, mm-hmm. um, and they're sent to, to try to um, end the trade and blockade. There's a trade embargo or blockade on yeah. the planet of Naboo. Right. So two Jedis are sent by the chance, by Supreme Chancellor Valorum. The two Jedis are, of course, Obi-Wan Kenobi, which, as Star Wars fans, we are all familiar with to see, right. and his master, Qui-Gon Jinn, mm-hmm. which we are not familiar to see, but he's played by... Liam Neeson. Just wanted to point that out. We're not going to really discuss actors too much in this. Right. But I just want to say, I think he did a phenomenal job in this because he just sold this role for me wholeheartedly. Right. In my opinion. So. You might say that the role was taken. Womp womp. <laughs> Only Star Wars references. <laughs> um, yeah. And then... Uh, they, they find out that there might be something afoot. Yes, there seems to be a sinister plot afoot. Yes. Which leads them to be put down a course on the planet, Naboo, mm-hmm. where they run into... Oh. <laughs> a refugee outcast who's been banished from his civilization and the true hero of, of Star Wars. Everyone's favorite character, of course. Jar Jar Binks. Yes. Um, I'm sure we'll have a little bit more on that in the discussion. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I mean, it's it kind of hits the ground running. There is a little bit of exposition, I feel, here and there at this point to kind of sort of get you all caught up on it. But this, once again, this is the first Star Wars movie that everyone would have seen, in new Star Wars movie everyone would have seen in years, mind you. Because right. we're going into this also assuming that a lot of people listening to this grew up watching the original trilogy. Four, five, and six. So yeah. this would have been the first like theater experience to see these movies, which I, I think it got off to a decent start. You had a little bit of lightsaber fighting um, against some droids, which was which was pretty cool to start yeah. off with. Started off running, but it went spritting as soon as Jar Jar came into play, <laughs> which is where we're at now. So he takes them to Gungan City, where, of course, it's pointed out that he has been banished and that right. the Gungans do not have a very cohesive relationship with the Naboo, who are also, who are the humanoids on the planet. Right. It is then shown that the invasion, of course, has begun. There's a blockade. They're after Princess um, Amidala. Amidala. Queen and Amidala. Queen, yes, sorry. Yes. Queen Amidala. My bad. I yes. was thinking Princess Leia for some reason. It's Don't okay, know why. Because she's awesome. Of course. So they're after her to try to get her to sign a treaty to make all this legal. Right. Now, behind the scenes, of course, we are shown that they are being led by some dark figure who is going by Darth Sidious. 
which, as we all know, will eventually become Palpatine, or who is Palpatine and will eventually become Emperor Palpatine, which I think that, once again, will lead into a further discussion later. Now, after this point, the Jedi meet up with Queen Amidala and help her escape. Mm -hmm. Once they escape, they are, of course, damaged. The ship is damaged as they run the blockade, whereby only one single R2-D unit is able to save the day, which, of course, is R2-D2. Well, and and the problem is they don't have any money. Yes. So how are they going to pay for these repairs? Well, since they're near the Outer Rim, they, of course, end up on a planet called Tatooine, which, once again, is something familiar to us. Mm-hmm. Now, they, of course, get the meet a young boy by the name of Anakin Skywalker. Now, it is eventually... Pointed out to Qui-Gon, who has taken a very huge interest in the child, that he is without a father, it seems, but has a high metachlorian count, which we will get to after that. He also knows how to pod race. Yes, after that, there's a pod race. There's a pod race that where multiple bets are made on basically Anakin's freedom, as well as money, as well as a new hyperdrive, as well as many, many other things. (laughs) And uh, Freedom. If you ever... Played the N64 pod racing game. The scene was worth it just for that. Yes. it, it def- I, you, I guess there's a mixed bag on the pod race, whether you liked it or you didn't. Once again, we will discuss that further momentarily. After that, um, it is pointed out that there, the Darth, Dark Lord Sidious has, of course, sent his, his apprentice, Darth Maul, to deal with the situation because he doesn't feel that the Trade Federation is able to handle it. So he's sent to tattooing to try to follow them. There is a battle there real quick between Qui-Gon and Sith Apprentice, who is Darth Maul. Mm-hmm. They, of course, escape and eventually make it to the capital planet of Coruscant. Now, while on Coruscant, there is a ton of debate in the Senate over this whole situation, and it seems that there's nothing that's going to be done. So with nothing being... I'm, I'm very much cliff noting now. With nothing being done, Padme decides to head back to her planet to try to fight them on her own with the help, with the help of the... Hopefully the help of the Gungan because of Jar Jar's recommendation. Another thing that happens during this time is Anakin is told that he is not to forego the Jedi training, but that he possibly could be the chosen one. Qui-Gon Jinn, of course, does not agree with this and kind of says he's going to train the child on his own. And, of course, the Jedi Council is like, nope. So Yeah, they, they definitely forbid it. Yes. They, of course, head back now to Naboo, where they somehow slip through the blockade with no problem, even though when they were escaping, they almost got blown to bits. Right. Just kind of a little note there. So they're able to not only... They're able to mount a two-pronged attack of where the Naboo are able to send ships out of their own to attack the Federation ships in space... And the Gungans attack on a ground warfare against the robot army. Actually, a three-pronged attack. Sorry. Yeah. Let, let's not forget how they got the Gungans on their side, because there is a plot twist in the script. Oh, yes. There has been the... There's been Queen, and then there's been... I pa- just Padme. She's a servant of some kind. Yeah. There's Padme, who is the actual queen, and then there's Queen Amidala, who's been one of her decoys the whole time. Mm-hmm. So it's revealed that she's been in the play, that place the whole time, and there's a three-pronged, three-pronged attack going on. One where they send the Boo Fighters into space. One where the Gungans are fighting them in like a basically a 
face to face in battle against the droid army, and then another one where they're infiltrating the castle with the Jedi. Jedi, of course, get distracted by the dark assassin or the apprentice that has been sent, and they have an epic battle there, which of course ends with Qui Gon being killed, as well as Darth Maul, quote unquote, dying. I use quotation fingers because. Of course, since Clone Wars and Rebels are in canon, it is revealed later that he actually lived. Moving on, Anakin's basically the key to them winning this battle because as he flew up into space, he was able to shoot down one of the Trade Federation ships or the main ship that they had and was able to basically deactivate the robots. At the end, the, the newly crowned Supreme Chancellor Palpatine shows up to congratulate them. Because while this was all going on, he was able to do a vote of non-confidence against Santa, Chancellor Valorum. So I think that kind of wraps it up. Oh, and finally, it is revealed that Sith are always, there's always two of them, a Master and the Apprentice, which one was right. dead. And it is also shown that Anakin will undergo the training as Obi-Wan as his master. As the dying well, wish yeah, I was gonna say, it's of Qui-Gon Jinn. Yes, exactly. So with that being a very quick plot point, plot point, plot point done, how do you guys think all this works? In all honesty, like the layout of the story is it's a good story. I I, I will agree with that. I think the layout's mm-hmm. good. I think certain points of it oh. aren't that aren't the best. I know one what? that a lot of people get hung up on, though, is the Senate stuff. And I kind of want to mention that real quick since we're on plot. Since that- well, let's get nostalgic for a second and uh, remember the time period this movie came out. And uh, it had been a good chunk of time since uh, there was a Star Wars movie. First reactions to seeing the movie in general... We get into the finer points of what works and what hasn't worked over the test of time. But initial reaction, I loved episode one. I was so happy there was a new Star Wars movie. I would have watched it 30 times if I hadn't have been in a movie theater. Um, I was excited because it had been such a long time. So I, I was I was pretty excited. The initial impression... Um, I thought it was all right. I wasn't like, that was the best Star Wars movie ever made. It was entertaining enough at the time. I I mean, I was younger when I saw it. I'll admit that. Yes, I, me too. I, I, I enjoyed it, but as the test of time, and I'm sure a later discussion here will tell you, I don't think it's bad, but I, I kind of have my... Nitpick. Wish you but, could but, like tell the same story, but do it a little bit differently. All right, we're going to move into characters now, kind of discussing the different characters, and this is where we'll probably discuss a certain one. I really liked all the characters in this. I, I mean, excluding the ones I'm about that I'm sure we'll all mention in a second. I thought it was very interesting. I don't want to talk too much on the actors. I kind of want to look at this as a as the actual movie. And not as the individual actors of it, but I think it was very interesting that Ian McDermott replies his role of Palpatine that he had originally played in Return of the Jedi and then was later re-put into Empire. So he reprised his role as Palpatine, which is pretty interesting considering there is a, a good chunk of time there in between the two. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty cool. 
Um, Liam Neeson, as I said, I think did a phenomenal job in this movie. And Hugh McGregor is, I think, the shining gold example of just great acting throughout the entire prequel trilogy. So that's kind of, I, I guess that, that's my little note on actors. Now, as for characters, I'm going to say that a lot of the characters in this were kind of pointed at certain demographics. I feel that's why Jar Jar Binks was the way he was. He was something put in there by George Lucas or by, you know, whoever was developing this at the time, mainly Lucas, to pander to children and to try to get kids excited about this and to sell merchandise on. He was kind of like the comic relief, just wasn't, I mean, I guess, like, maybe if you're, like, eight and saw the movie, you might find Jar Jar funny. I mean, he's just there now for me in the movie. He His character does what he needs to, and it's sort of like, he, he's annoying, but he's there, and he progresses yeah. the story plots that he needs to. I mean, he's he's become a cultural icon. <laughs> <laughs> For better or for worse. Ellie, your thoughts on, He's there. on the characters in this movie? Um, I liked what some of the characters represented. Mm-hmm. Um, like Queen Amidala uh, was... Well, there were, there were a couple really strong female, mm-hmm. female characters, but uh, Queen, Ma- Queen Amidala was one that I think about because she was the type of queen that she was willing to get her hands dirty. You know, she she wasn't the sit on the throne and, and you know, be more of a... A figurehead. A figurehead. Yeah, she, she actually, you know, disguised herself and pretended and, like she was the... What do they call it? The... Um, crap, I can't remember. Handmaiden? Yes. But I, I like the way, like, she could have stayed back on the ship, but then when they went to the... Where, where they were on tattooing and went to go try to get the parts they needed for the ship. It's just the yeah, hyperdrive like, and stuff like that. She could have stayed back on the ship, but, you know, she chose to... Now, do you feel she was doing that more for... She wanted to make sure it was getting done correctly or because she wanted to be a part of that situation? I mean, I think a little bit of both. Yeah. Uh, she just... She wanted to be helpful and she wanted to get out there. And so I, I respected her for that. Um, the same thing with... Anakin's mom, and I always say her name. Is it Shmi? Shmi. Shmi Skywalker. Um, you know, like Shmi, just that that eternal sacrifice of she obviously would have loved to have Anakin stay with her, but she knew that it was best to to give him up so that he could lead a better life. And I also like Watto, because <laughs> he, kind of, he kind of represented, it's kind of pointed out that he may have had a disability. Because of his one leg was shorter than the other, and he flew because he was... Constantly. Yeah, he constantly flew because he wouldn't have been I, able to walk very well. I've never heard that. Yeah. yeah um, that was interesting. Yeah, and the one of his tusks were broken, so that kind of explains why he might have had that slur when he oh. talked. So it kind of brings in... Not everybody's perfect, too, so the more that disability type of side for it as well. Interesting. That's something I've never heard before, so... Yeah, yeah me neither. Definitely a new take on... On something that a lot of people might have overlooked. So what about you? Um, I, I kind of already said my stuff. I, like I said, I think they did a great job with the characters they needed to. Mm-hmm. Um, Qui-Gon Jinn was phenomenal as a Jedi. I, I, I kind of more want to, when we get into later on, where impact on the series. I think this episode one had more of an impact on the series than everyone realizes. With that, though, Rob might have a few things to say. Well, 
No one's really talked about the uh, Bantha fodder in the room. Young Anakin Skywalker. And I've, I've read that the Jake Lloyd, the actor who played him, actually regrets it. And in my opinion, this was uh, more annoying than Jar Jar, to be honest. <laughs> I actually I found young Anakin to be worse than than Jar Jar Binks. Just some of his lines were like corny and cringeworthy. And but do you think it was the way he played the character, like his acting, or was it the lines he was given? Combination or, of the two. Okay. Or once again, as I was saying with Binks, maybe they were George was trying to make this character more appealing to children because you really didn't get this kind of blowback on him from younger people who saw it it's more the older people that have to deal with it right that's true but i also heard they like they auditioned like 60 different kids to play anakin uh i I don't want to jump ahead too much but I, i i know that during our discussion on whether I mean, how to watch the Star Wars movies that there was a few people that said to skip this one. Yeah. I kind of can understand why with the whole, you know, Jar Jar Binks, you know, some other stuff that happened in this, that young Anakin kind of isn't that interesting. And I mean, does this super contribute to the story as much as the other ones do? I mean, Anakin's dialogue is kind of weak to begin with, so it'd be hard to play the part. I'm not bashing the actor. I, I'm just, I don't know. It was just a weak character for, for what he is, for what he for became. what he is to the whole series. I'll I'll, I'll agree with that. His, yeah. his characterization was yeah. pretty weak. I would never skip this movie because when it shines, it shines. But have to get through the Anakin and Jar Jar Binks of the movie. <laughs> So I think we can discuss real quick the overall impact and what positive things this did to the series. And I think one of the biggest things that a lot of people do complain about is the Senate, how much of the Senate is shown in all this bureaucracy. Do I like seeing that in the movie? Not that much. But if you think about it this way, you're seeing why the Empire was able to become what it was, that... This whole situation could have easily been dealt with in the Senate, and it wasn't because of bureaucracy, because of under, you know, trading behind the scenes, stuff like that was shown to where somebody who was as corrupt as Sidious was able to rise through and become what he was, and that everyone accepted with glorious applause, mind you, in a later movie, the acceptance of a galactic empire, how this was able to be built. Another important thing in this is we got to see the Jedi actually, like actual Jedis. Like the Jedi Temple, how Jedis interacted, you know, the master-pupil relationship. This is stuff that had always been speculated on, and we kind of saw a little bit of an empire with the Master Yoda and Luke, but it's something we never got to see, and it was sort of introduced and was very, you know, a very well-done thing, in my opinion, to, to see that more fleshed out. Another thing that was very impressive was this was a huge moment for lightsaber fights. Yeah. I will say this. Hands down, this was the most epic lightsaber fight of 
like that you had seen. The other ones, I mean, j- I think some of them might have been more emotion filled, but this it, was the prettiest one to watch. It, it was something that you had never seen before. The other fights you had saw were, I mean, of course, looked like traditional sword fights. This looked like some mixture of everything. And that was, I think, a huge contributing factor to stepping up. You know, a lot of people don't like that it stepped it up that way. Some people do. I think this was a very unique way to see a lightsaber fight. And to also, very important, see how powerful the dark side is. Yeah. Because he was an apprentice and took on two Jedi Knights. And, I mean, a Jedi Knight and a Jedi Master. Yeah. Master. And was master. <laughs> Key word in that. Now, there is, of course, I kind of have a theory that maybe Qui-Gon wasn't exactly as good-hearted as he seemed because he really pushed for Anakin to be, you know, but everyone else sensed all this darkness. He's like, no, 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 make him go through. So I, I always wonder, well, uh, well, we'll get to that point later. But, I mean, he was a powerful master no matter what, and he was able to, I mean, he was killed by... Darth Maul and I mean Obi-Wan kind of lucked out in a situation to get the upper hand. I mean he was pretty much beat too. So I, I just think Darth that's Maul in- had the higher ground. He did and somehow still lost. So that I think is very interesting and a huge, huge impact on the series and of the culture to, you know, show how Jedi's, you know, interacted and that how powerful the Sith truly are in this world part of the reason why it was so great when it came out is just because we did get to see a whole lot of things that we had always wanted to see now kind of jumping forward and this is just me kind of spitballing here for a second you guys can i guess if you want to jump in on this it is interesting that the only enforcers the senate really has are jedi and they aren't exactly I mean, it seems like they'll do it for the Senate, but they aren't, they're kind of neutral bodies in it, mm-hmm. which then leads the course of the creation of the, Imper- I mean, the, the grand army of the, of the Republic, the, the cloned army, because if they had the cloned army, they could have sent the cloned army in to deal with this trade issue. But the Senate had nothing to really enforce their rules except for Jedi. And I mean, there's only, they're like, there's not that many of us to really enforce stuff. So that's interesting how that sort of leads well, and to that. Well, they're not really, they were not made. Yeah, they're peacekeepers and they're not enforcers. So yeah. they can. I mean, they, they of course do in a, the later right, movies become generals. but that's not generals. what they were made to do. So that, I think, is a very interesting thing of how this contributed to the series is that yeah. it allowed for them to be like, oh, well, we need an army. Or that when there was an army available to them, they were like, sure, let's take this. And right. also... It allowed for a lot of, I believe, planets, because as you saw, Naboo had fighters. Well, in the later movies, each planet doesn't have fighter, like their own fighters. They use the Senate's armies to represent them and work for them, which, of course, when it becomes a galactic empire, it's not working for them. It's occupying at that point. So that's kind of an interesting, I think, thing of how you see where they're accepting this. They're like, yes, come protect us. Come make sure that... You know, this evil trade embargo can't happen on our planet. And you planet. see that a lot in the Clone Wars anime. Yes, so oh, that's... Sorry, cartoon, not anime, but yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's I think, an interesting thing of where you see why mm-hmm. all these places were so willing to just be like, oh, yeah, we're cool with this. And not many people are like, hold on a second. You guys are getting an army together that answers only to you. Um, that might not be a good thing. Right. So... 
that I think is a huge impact on the series that this has that not a lot of people I think realize or you know even recognize. So that's why I think that this movie still is important in that aspect. Yeah. Pod race is cool, but it's kind of just a it's it, it's it's an action scene I feel that's put in there to break up some of the stuff that's going on. Well, and it also of course introduces him as being someone who is a capable pilot. It's kind of funny too cuz you're seeing uh, kind of piggybacking off of what you said about Qui-Gon. Yes. And he kind of does things that the normal Jedi doesn't do. Yes. I mean, the whole pod racing thing with, with him betting. Well, betting know? and trying to use <laughs> What I was going to say earlier was, what would uh, Qui-Gon have done if Anakin hadn't won? Because it was established earlier yeah. that like not only had Anakin never won a race... But he had never even finished one. Right. So I always wonder, like, what would have Water's body would have been in a sand dune somewhere with a lightsaber <laughs> hole through him. I, that's kind well, of what I gather. Yeah. I mean, and that's the other thing that's kind of interesting is the Jedi mind trick. I mean, I think we kind of have discussed this some other point or we might not have yet. Is that really a good move to use? I mean, it's deceitful. It's it is it is kind of yeah. I think a little dark sidey to use. Yeah. Now every time it's been used, it's, it's for that the be- fine line. It's that benefit, but he he kind of walked up. I don't even think he really. There was no lead up to it. He just sort of tried to do it almost immediately. Yeah. Like I said, once again, is Qui Gon really on the side of goodness thing? I mean, and if 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 we can move on to themes. Yes. Yes. Let's let's move um, on to themes. To- I mean, kind of moving into a theme from talking about this is family and emotions that's that's a huge theme in this movie and if if we want to discuss for a few minutes about emotions um anger leads to hate what are the jedis not supposed to have anger fear emotions in general they're really not supposed to which is something that's interesting i don't think ever it's kind of discussed in in the um original trilogy yeah but it's just you just the whole thing with the relationship between Qui-Gon and Anakin. Why mm-hmm. is he so hung up on this kid? You know, why is he feel so strongly about him? And, you know, like, like you said earlier, when he's fighting with the council to want to train him, why is it so important? Like he has a lot of emotions that he really shouldn't be having if he's a Jedi master. Because I feel like it's clouding. Because everyone's him. probably sitting there focusing on Anakin's emotions, and they're not seeing that yeah. Qui Gon's having just as many exactly. emotions. Yeah, so that's kind but of. But also, the council about. sort of has emotions too, because they fear that if this kid becomes trained, yeah. he could fulfill a prophecy. So yeah, there's a lot but, of fear in this movie. Yes, this movie is displaying a lot of fear. Mm-hmm. I feel. Another interesting thing with themes is the whole chosen one thing. Yes. This is something that kind of, it gets under my skin, I feel, more than it should. Because it's never, it's never established in the original trilogy that Anakin was a chosen one or was sort of a divine, supposed to be a divine being in it. I always assume from what, and I'm sure that this is something that we'll bring up in the other prequels, okay. from what Obi-Wan has said and what was kind of stated about the past was that he was just a Jedi that craved power and sought out power, and that's what corrupted him. 
Whereas in this, he kind of is put with this mantle of being the chosen one. Also, there is a lot of other themes of other religions in here too, mainly Christian Christianity with the whole virgin birth, technically. Because right. you never know who his father is. It's never established. It's kind of implied that it came from the forest and him being a chosen one is I think an interesting parallel between those two personally I just I don't know I mean what what do you guys think do you think him being the chosen one is important to the story or not since it was never established um, in the original I could have done without it I kind of I the whole destiny chosen one storyline is kind of annoying to me at this point. Like, but it's it, it. I'm I'm playing devil's advocate now too. Right. Yeah. So I'm I'm dealing in in both right now. I I'm, mean, I'm I'm Qui Gon in this. <laughs> nice. <laughs> because, I, well, for me, it's an interesting. It, just for the theory sake, just to kind of just think about you know different ways and why they did certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's interesting to think about. Yes. Just because I think they're trying to to hit home that even though this this person is supposed to be the savior, so to speak, this this chosen person, that they're not infallible, so they can. He's tempted. Yeah, he's he's kind of like with the emotions again. He's he's so strong with the his love for his mother and his his love for his people, and and so I I think that really. It, he feels too much pressure. I think that's the problem. They put him up so high that um, I think it's easier for him to fall. Because- that's, that's, I think, I th- once again, the whole chosen one motif is something that is introduced in story after story after story throughout. So if you want to yeah. talk where inspiration came from this, you can go pick whatever story you want. There's right. probably a chosen one in there. So that's kind of going with that theme of traditional storytelling. Also... With him being the chosen one, his fall from grace is that much more impactful than. Do I like that it's there? No, I don't think it's necessary. But in the essence of knowing how stories are told. I don't think it should take three movies to tell that story. I don't. Yeah, it's something that. (laughs) I mean, that's that's my thing. Like, I agree with Rob. It's like, does it have to be in there? Um, You know, maybe or maybe not. But, like, don't take so long. To, to draw it out. Don't scream on top of a mountain as there's lava all around you yelling at somebody going, you were supposed to be the chosen one. I mean, and speaking of the Christian narrative type stuff, mm-hmm. what about Darth Maul? Is, do you think there's, because of the, the horns and the red and the black, of the kind of the demonic type, you know, he it, represents the devil sort of thing? Here's the thing. Star Wars before this was always very cut and dry. There was the light and there was the dark. There right. is no in-between ground. Right. With this, you have there is the light. But, that, but And that's Anakin. He's both. But that's the thing. And then you have the dark and it's serious. I mean, I, I do see that, that, that correlation that they could have possibly done to make sure that you know this person is evil. Right. But it's that whole, in, in the prequel trilogy, it seems to be the light and the dark. It's not a... You're one way or the other. It's there's a line you can walk that sort right. of goes back and forth, mm-hmm. which once again then continues on in Return of the Jedi with Luke's struggle then of which way is he going. It's not a you you, you can't walk down the middle apparently in the Star Wars universe. You have to go one side <laughs> or the other, right? In it, 
Um, and if, if it's okay with you guys, I just had one more thing I wanted to quickly talk about as far as inspiration, like a, something that I think inspired some of the stuff in the movie. Okay. Is uh, the Japanese culture. Yes, that was very inspirational as well with the original trilogy too. Yeah. Um, one thing is, is Qui-Gon's little pony. Yes. Um, also, um, Obi-Wan. Yeah, yes, Qui- I'm sorry, Qui-Gon Obi- and Obi-Wan. Uh, uh, Qui-Gon just has the long hair. Obi-Wan has that little rat's tail thing from behind the hair that, that all Padawans right. have. Right, and it's, um, it's very traditional with the samurais. Um, and you, you have that until you have earned your place, so to speak. And once, you know, in, in the Star Wars way, it's basically that gets cut off once they've become, you know, a full-fledged jedi master i know this is something that comes later but Mm -hmm. you actually see that ceremony in the animated no not the one on cartoon network that computer generated but the one that was done by dexter's laboratory the same people who did the samurai jack one i know you love that one you actually get to see the ceremony where anakin is no longer a padawan and And they slice it off and maybe we'll talk about that in one of the extra (laughs) maybe episodes i just wanted to mention Um, it because i like that scene and, and also, kind of to go back again with the Darth Maul, yeah. Um, the the Japanese demons, yes. A lot of them are very similar to that that style. Yes. The, the color palette and just the way he looks is is very inspired by Japanese demon type things. And and, and your your guy's opinion on Darth Maul, he he says little throughout the entire three lines. Okay, I was about to say, is he going to have like an actual... It's, six, it's three lines is how many he has in the movie. He's just... I, I feel his yeah. character is, once again, the way they characterize them is so well that you don't need him speaking to know his... And let's also remember at this his point... His motivations. Mm-hmm. The only Sith Lords we've seen in Star Wars are Darth Vader and the Emperor. We've never seen a Sith that like... Flips around and moves quick. <laughs> yes. So watching a, the bad guy do that was impressive to see the first time you saw this movie. And another thing quickly with um, inspirations and everything. I know yeah. that it's been pointed out in sort of the lore that Sith are normally more powerful than Jedi at a younger age because their path is through its, its corruption and through gather. You know, they, they gather strength quickly. As opposed to Jedi that take time and, you know, don't corrupt the force. They're more refined and focused. Yes. So that's the thing. They're 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 supposed to be very much more reckless with power. So right. that's why he was able to do what he did against those two. But once again, it was seeing that for the first time was awe-inspiring, you know, for a ton of people. And I think still is to this day to see that as, you know, being a very, in my opinion... A, a benchmark for fights in the series. Yeah. With that, we're going to move on to, I guess, open discussion, which is just kind of doesn't really fit into these other categories. Might a little bit, but doesn't Most. really. So I guess the first thing I'm going to say is Metachlorians. Thoughts? <sighs> you know, like, I guess I'm not really a fan of it, but I wasn't like one of those rage-filled people like... What I always thought is weird is like it later on in the prequel trilogy it gets on to like Jedi's aren't really supposed to have families and marry 
so it'd be hard to like reproduce more Jedi's if Metacalorians are like a genetic type thing. That is interesting. Yeah. How it never real. I mean, it seems like the Force kind of dot. It once again. This is why I feel the Force should be. I'm not. I'm just saying. I feel the Force has been established in Rogue One and the other series as more of the ethereal sort of the intangible. Like, you can't measure it sort of I'm thing. I'm almost waiting for one of the Star Wars movies to write that off. Like, oh, well, scientists discovered uh, metachlorians have nothing to do with it, actually. That was just an ancient theory or, you know, some, like... It could be some... I mean, right away line to, like, throw the metachlorian thing out the window. I guess it's them sort of explaining why, like, droids and stuff can't use it, maybe. I, I, I just... I personally... The Metachlorians, for me, it's kind of a throwaway thing. I don't real. I kind of accept it as the Force works through people, and it doesn't matter what your Metachlorian count is, which I'm sure we'll bring up later in possibly a Rogue One discussion on how the Force may work. Right. Because it's obvious that after the fall, the Force is kind of gone from the universe, but you got to imagine people are still being born that might be Force-sensitive. They're just not able to hone that skill because they don't have schools to go to or people seeking them Either out. Either that or there's just no more Jedi or Siths to produce well, anymore. Well, the other thing is maybe the Force is is something that can knowledgeably take itself out of the universe if it needs to. <laughs> maybe or in, somebody later kills all the younglings. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. But yeah, mm. I mean, that's just something I just wanted to mention because I know a yeah. lot of people get irritated by Metachlorians. And in my, I mean, my final thoughts will kind of explain this, I think, a little bit better. My opinion is, I heard it, I nodded to it. Do I accept it, in my opinion, as a thing that has to be law in this? No, because it's kind of written off later, I think, on its own, personally. Well, that's an interesting thing to think about. And here's another interesting thing that I've thought more recently about the past few times I've watched episode one. Okay. Okay, so, unfortunately for Anakin and his mother, they are slaves. Oh. <laughs> you already know where I'm going. Yes. So, these two unfortunate people happen to be slaves on tattooing. And I just want to point out, Padme, Jar Jar, and Qui-Gon all go to Anakin's... And R2. And R2, go to Anakin's little apartment, house, whatever, in Tatooine, mm -hmm. which isn't a mansion, but, you know, it's the size of a decent living establishment. Two-bedroom apartment, yeah. give or take. Uh, Anakin's mom is able to feed herself, her son, and the all whole, three yeah, of them. Yeah, all of them. They have that big and dinner scene. Somehow, while being a slave, Anakin has uh, the free time and resources to build his own pod racer and, two, cre I and think. create C-3PO. Doesn't he build two? Because doesn't he have another one that he wrecked? Or is that somebody else's? I can't remember. For some reason, I think that was his master's. I don't know. If you're curious, go back and watch the movie. But it's it's like a one line thing where it's mentioned that he crashed. For one the of them. sake of this, though, Anakin is a slave with the free time and resources to build a pod racer NC3PO, 
and his mom is able to feed all of them and have her own living establishment. So I think I've come to the conclusion that slave wages on Tatooine are better than minimum wage in America. <laughs> and now we get political. <laughs> That's all I'm going to get. That's all I'm going to say. I'm just, I got to throw it out there. Well, I mean, it, that that's kind of is an interesting thing, but you brought up a very good point. We haven't discussed what these what this entire series actually is about. The dynamic story of two droids making their way through all these nights and wars. Yes, the actual story of Star Wars is C-3PO and R2-D2 making their way through this entire thing. That's fine with me. Nobody on that one? Okay. Uh. I just wanted to throw that out there because that's something that a lot of people have pointed out. The story's actually about those two droids. There's also another thing to where this enti- the entire prequels are being told by R2-D2. So that's why Metachlorians exist. I've because- heard that theory, but I've heard it from you. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's just something fun to watch the series and think that it's all being told as a droid. So I just... From a droid, sorry. Right, yeah. One thing I'm just curious how you, how do you guys feel about the droid army? <sighs> um oh, yeah, go ahead. Here's the thing, they seem very capable in the first movie. Very capable. And I know that the TV series is for kids, but they seem like this very incapable force sometimes. My whole thing is I just I don't having droids in an army just doesn't really work for me. Like, what about having clones? At least clones are people. Like droid, it just seems like if it's that easy to like manufacture a soldier, why use people for any type of army in the first place? Like, yeah, sure, all you have to do is blow up a thing in space, and the whole army loses power. But still, like. You're saying they have the ability to just build droids that'll fight, but we never see them again at any point? You kind of actually do. There's a bounty hunter that's in uh, Empire that's a droid. Yeah, but you still never see, like, another droid army because they'd rather just sacrifice people. If I remember correctly, in some, like, uh, thing that's supposed to be still canon, the Empire outlaws the creation of battle droids. By anyone that's not the Empire after he takes over. Yeah, I just think the whole battle at the end between the Gungans and the droids would have a little more stake if it were... I mean, I know like the droids are the bad guys, but it's still just like... You guys are killing machines. Speaking of the battle at the end of the movie, there is another... Now, we're just getting into kind of fun theory talk real quick. There is a theory that Jar Jar was supposed to be a, the actual Dark Lord or an actual, you know, Dark Lord of the Sith because of his supposed drunken fighting style he used. <laughs> I've heard this. Anyone who's curious about it, there's loads of videos on YouTube. Bingo. Um, Ellie, your thoughts on this? Eh, on which part? Oh, just the fact that he might, that, that he was originally supposed to be possibly written as a Dark Lord. That was actually him. His clumsiness is actually him disguising himself, just like Yoda did. A big part of this theory is that he gets the Chancellor to full power. Which does happen, but here's the thing. 
I, I think much like the this whole thing's being told from the droid's point of view, there's another thing that says to watch the movie and just imagine that Obi-Wan and Padme have a relationship going on during the entire time. Because oh, it does line up. It's just kind of one of those things that... That makes... Uh... Obi-Wan's, like, confrontation towards Padme about Anakin being the father completely different in the third movie. It, it's just, it's one of those things. He's thing, the father. <laughs> it's just one of those things to where I feel it makes the movies, it, it's it's something, I mean, yeah, there's stuff there, but I don't think it was ever intended. Just wait to see an episode of Mari with Anakin and Obi-Wan. <laughs> like, like I said, these are fun things to, I mean, I guess theorize about, but... I mean, I personally don't put too much weight into them. They're they're fun as like a thought exercise, but as an right. actual, you know, this is law. No, I'm not real uh, big on it. I saw the video on Jar Jar, and for about two hours, I was convinced, and then not so much. Your thoughts on all these alternative theories, and I'm not a big theorist. All right. Yeah. Buzzkill Ellie. I know. I'm sorry. So I guess final thoughts on the movie now. You know, the story is not bad. I like the pot racing scene. It was a nice little way to throw a good action scene in the middle, make it relevant to the plot, and show some of Qui-Gon's recklessness, show why there's more to Anakin than his cheesy lines. So... Um, and of course the lightsaber fight at the end is classic. Um, there's plenty about this movie to nitpick and tear apart, but I watched it earlier today and I was entertained by it still. Ellie, your thoughts? Um, kind of, it's a lot of similar ones. Um, like I said, I, I don't think you should not watch it. So I, I, I do disagree with the people that think you should just completely omit this one um, because I think it, you know, it does have some stuff that needs to be seen. Like, like Rob said, you know, there's other stuff that really doesn't need to be in there, but I think it's entertaining enough. Um, I like the way they kind of set up the strong, the strong female presence in it um, from the very beginning. And you can kind of see where Princess Leia might have gotten some of her you know, attitude and her feistiness from her mom. So I just, I, I think there are a lot of good points to it. It's not the best one, but it's it's good enough. My thing is this, I, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you by saying this, but I can understand where people come in with the machete method saying that they don't include this one. I can understand it. I'm not saying if I disagree or agree with it. Me, For me, I don't mind watching the movie now because I can tune out certain characters Saying Misa, whatever, or and it's working, or yelling that too, or this is or this is pot racing. I can tune that out and watch it for the story that I need to, for what you need to watch it to understand. Like I said, it's it's in my opinion, it's 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 a necessary thing to watch mm -hmm. if you want to get the full story. But I can understand if you admit it for certain reasons. So I guess that will wrap up our discussion on episode one today. Mm -hmm. uh, join us next month, of course, when we will do episode two, Attack of the Clones. Yes. So that I will can't be wait. the political thriller of the Star Wars movies. <laughs> yes. Once again, we will get more into that and how that works, and of course, you know our opinions on that. Um, 
If you guys want to tweet at us your opinion on episode one, yeah, we, we would love to hear that. You can, of course, get a hold of us on Twitter at ZingThis. And you can also listen to the, if you want to listen to this podcast, you can, of course, find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Tuned In, and Google Play. You can, of course, also find us on Facebook. ZingThis. You can find us on Twitter at ZingThis, as we already said. You can find us on Instagram at ZingThisPodcast. You can also find us on Twitch where we play games as well. So you can check us out on there. And that's, of course, twitch.tv slash ZingThis. If you want to contribute to the podcast, there's, of course, uh, Patreon where it's patreon.com slash ZingThis. You can also email us directly. ZingThis at gmail.com. And from all of us here at ZingThis, from Darth Zinger to Viceroy Ellie. And Rob2D2. May the force be with you. We'll see you next month. Bye. Play us out, DJ Golden Boy.